every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been to prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the fed. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't Freeway that saved me, it wasn't John's Troop that saved me, but God uses Freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome back, part two, uh, One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop. I have my guest on today is Mr. Paul Cho. Welcome back again, Paul. Thank you. Uh, One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries. Uh, we're exploring lives and conversations with people, unique lives, and um, we believe that the bigger the mess many times, the bigger the message. Uh, we, we are kind of our theme verse for this podcast is Psalms 5117, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, oh God, these things you will not despise. And we hear about the negative impacts that drugs and crime make on our communities, prisons full, homes affected, generational issues going on. But what you don't hear about is the, the positive impact that one radically changed drug addict, uh, ex-drug addict, ex-convict can make when they when the Lord gets a hold of them. And so I, I believe, you know, there are certain people that God um, uses that had those messes that are now preaching a message and they're making such a huge impact through their tr transformed life. And we've, we've talked about, uh, Paul's kind of his BC before Christ's life. And we've, we've been talking, we, you know, our last episode was about, you know, the, 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 the addiction, um, in a broad stroke, um, the, the prison going to prison, joining a gang, um, living that life and being in and out of prison for 27 years. And we left off on part one where Paul had uh, committed his life to Christ, made a true surrender to the Lord, had God seal him with the Holy Spirit, you know, where he really was uh, a Christian, had a desire for the Word of God. And now, the you know, the last thing we talked about was you were in prison. Um, you were getting ready to be released, right? You're doing... You're on your way out. You're doing that that time. You're 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 half stepping a little bit with the rules. Um, you know, some would see a little compromise, but you know now you see that wasn't that way, and so now you're like, you know, I'm going to really be committed. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna break the rules. I'm gonna I'm gonna live for the Lord. I'm not gonna half step anymore, and and so that's kind of where we're at right now. And what we really didn't talk about was your church family, your pastor out here, Scott from a river bluff um, fellowship and um, i know he had a big impact on your life and we won't get too ahead of the game but so i want to kind of talk about when i met you you were in a long-term prison treatment called ozark correctional center we know it as occ and uh, i was able to go in there and, and do some you know a little bit of ministry once a year I, I you know go in there and um 
and just share with the guys. And I met you there, and I knew you from from Barry Agee, which is a local bad guy, turned good guy in Springfield. It's been here for 10 years and killing it, just doing great silver, living for the Lord. Well, you and him were running buddies, dope buddies, and I had known about you from him, you know. And so when I went in there and met you, I already knew who you were. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so you're in prison. You've got this street credit, um, this reputation on the – on the street for those who don't understand what that means of uh, being a certain way and respect and you have you know the respect in prison and this you know you've lived this convict mentality and you know this prison way for a long long time and now you're you're about to transition people are thinking what's going to happen right when he yep. when he releases prison because you never you really weren't too committed to church on the street you'd go and then quit and go run back to that lifestyle and so now you know, you're about to exit prison. Yep. So tell me about that, that where are you, where are you going, you know, you're, you're, what's next for you? You're leaving prison. What was that transition into society like? So, you know, I really didn't know what to think coming out. You know, uh, loneliness was one of the main things I thought about. Uh, who am I going to hang out with? What am I going to do? And, you know, uh, like I said, you mentioned Barry Agee. And so he's a guy who uh, I give him his first shot of dope when he was a kid. And and so when he turned his life over to God 10 years ago, I avoided him because I knew I would get him high before he got me sober. And so when I came home, he was the very first person that I, that I, I, I got in uh, contact with and just – you know, I knew it had to be all or nothing with me. And so as soon as I came home, um, I came up here and talked to you. You know, I, I, I got a church family. Um, uh, I did a video last year with a guy who's an officer in this, in this Springfield. And, you know, guys my age, he's a bust. He's busted every one of them. You know, he, he's, he was known as a, as a cop that was willing to get out there and do it however he had to do it. And, uh, and so he was one of the very first people I seen, uh, and I had asked him, you know, to be my accountability partner. Uh, and so that was really when I came home, I knew accountability was everything and I knew the people was everything. And so I just started going to church and I found a couple of one thing to be faithful to. And the first thing I was faithful to was my Sunday morning church. And then, and then the other thing I became faithful to was was freeway on Saturday nights. And and at some point, Barry said, "Man, won't you serve?" So I started serving. And so them two things was just locked in for me. And and it didn't matter, and it still doesn't. I'm there unless I'm somewhere else and or out of town or whatever. But it's never not because I'm just laying in bed, you know, with nothing to do. Um, I had to be as committed to. Uh, my walk with the Lord as I was to the drugs. And, so, go ahead. And you know as well as I do, when it came to the, the drug game, it was a 24-hour hustle. It was your life. And so I felt like everything with the ministry had to be about the ministry. And so a lot of people say it. I'm going to come home and da-da-da-da. I never said that. And, and I know people don't hear what you say. They watch what you do. And so that was what I did. I came home and... And I stayed engaged, and I stayed involved, and 
And I wasn't sneaking around and doing this and sneaking around and doing that. You know, I had to be accountable to a lot of people. So uh, as I think about it, you know, it's, it's, it's a year and a half. <laughs> and I'm free. I'm not on the run. And it's, 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 it's crazy. Um, it, it's never been like that for me. I was going to say, you've been sober and out of prison for a year and a half now. You know, you did 20, you've been in and out of prison since you was 16. Yeah. And uh, certified as an adult, in and out of prison. Um, many, you know, stints, right? For both PVs, pro violations, yeah. sent back on the run, won't show up to court, won't show up to your PO, parole officer. So what's the longest you've ever been out of prison and been sober? You know, getting out of prison for me was about doing the little in outpatient. And as soon as I got done with the outpatient, I went to once a month and I immediately started getting high. Yeah. So, you you know, you're looking at three months, you know, 12 week program, you know. And, and so it, once that was over with, you know, I knew I could get high if I wanted to. I didn't have to go in for a month and, and it would snowball in two or three months. I'd be on the run. Because once you get it dirty, you know, I, want you to go, I want you to go to treatment, and then I want you to do this. Well, I don't want to do any of that. So it's better for me not to even report because you want me to do two months. So, so you're you're out of prison a year and a half right now. Uh, I we've walked through some things together. You know, you're you have a heart for your old friends and stuff like that. But let's kind of just take baby steps. You, you uh, me and you had a meeting over at Carney Cafe. Give them a shameless plug. You know, local <laughs> place we. I eat lunch at quite a bit with people. Um, and I told you something. I said, either God's going to use you or the devil is. And you got to figure out which one because you're going to be used. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which one, you know? And and uh, and I've watched some really neat things happen. I've watched, uh, you know, the, the detective that used to chase you all over town, you and him go to church together. Yeah. Mark Deeds, right? And he's your friend. Absolutely. He's your accountability. Yeah. The same cop that used to chase you down, he said in his career, you're the person he busted the most. Yep. You know, how's that feel? You know, it's just, it's it's weird. And and him and I both said we didn't know what it was going to look like, both of us in church. We had no idea. And uh, now for him to call and tell me the things that are going on in his life uh, is crazy. And, and I can call and tell him what's going on in my life. And, and you know, at any given time, he, he's a message. Hey, I'm praying for you today. And so you think back, and like you said, he said he's arrested me more than anybody. And he's got a 30-some-year career in law enforcement. And so I never hated him. Uh, I, I don't think I liked him, but, you know, I knew that he was gonna, he was going to get the job done. And so today, just, you know, when we sit in church together, you know, and, and I talk to his wife or, or his son messages me, it's, it, it's crazy. And, you know, I would like to say, you know, this, this is just what I do. But this is stuff that we can't make up. This is not stuff that we decide that, that oh, oh yeah, this happened. No, this is something that God has, has put together. And it's and it's in the timeline you look at it. There's 35 years of history between him and I. You know, and so today, I can actually call him and say, "Hey, what's up, man?" 
And I know that he's genuine in what he's doing. And a lot of people will question that, but I don't. You know, I, I feel like I know uh, that guy cares about people and that he cares about me and that he's my friend. And, and when he calls and, and he questions me, yeah, I get frustrated, but I ask for that. And so uh, it's important, man. And, and when you walk with God, you have to be held accountable. You've got to be held to a higher standard. And so when the Bible becomes your authority and guys start to question you and ask you what you're doing, why would I get mad? Because ultimately, that's it, it, I ask for that. And so we all have to be accountable to somebody. Right. Yeah, I have a board of directors. I'm accountable to them from Freeway. Yeah. And uh, they're not yes men or women. They're Some of them are judges. And, right. And... They don't play games. Yeah. You know, I have to be on my A game with them guys and gals, and so I get that. Um, so you've got men that invest in your life, and you've got a pastor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about him just briefly. But he was a guy that never gave up on you even when you even when you took advantage of him, even when you, you know, hustled church members, right? Yeah. He was still your friend. He was there for you. How's that been? What's that relationship like? You know, it's – I always tell him if I was him, I'd have ran a long time ago. You know, his house has been put under surveillance because of me. Uh, and he just, when I betrayed somebody in the church, man, he was mad. You know, and I'll never forget it. He called me one day, and I didn't want to answer my phone, and I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I, I know where he's going with it. But I answered it, and the first words out of his mouth was, please don't hang up on me. And I'm like, what? You know, and I'm with a bunch of people. We're all high. And he says, I want my friend back. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, who does this? And, you know, the guy never gave up on me, man. He continued. He, he would come to court for me, and he would tell my judge, you know, Paul's dangerous. Yeah, he's dangerous. If he goes good, he takes people with him. And if he goes bad, he's going to take people with him. That's how he's dangerous. And he's just continued to love me, and he's continued to be there. And, and he don't enable me. He don't, he don't fix everything for me. He says, figure it out. How can you figure it out, Paul? You know, and so he's made, he's made me look at this whole addiction thing, this walking, you know, in the ministry, because a lot of times I want to give up on people. But I always remember, you know, the grace and mercy that I received, not only from God, but but from people who just never gave up on me and continued to love me. And and so it's something that I've rolled over into people who are my friends that are still high, that are still gangbanging, and, and that are in the streets and, and living in that concrete jungle. We know what it's like. Right. You know, and, and for people to not give up on you, we're used to people who, who you're lucky if they even hang around for a little bit. You know, it, it's me, me, me. We have a we have a internship program called the Timothy Project. You know about that. And when we, the first time we did it, uh, the first semester of our interns, we had all guys from the program that graduated and stuff. You know, but then we started taking people who were, you know, I don't want to say regular because there's no such thing as a normal person, right? Right. We're all messed up in our own special way. <laughs> yeah. The theologian Joey Ramon said that, but. Uh, um, anyways, these men who are from, you know, the church and they may not have the background we have, but they 
love Jesus, love people. They're brave. They love the Lord. They're dangerous with the Bible, you know. Yeah. Um, one of them was pretty emotional. And uh, and he said, uh, I'm not used to my friends not saying bye when they leave. You know, he was a church guy. Uh-huh. And uh, he started getting attached to men, loving them. Yeah. And then they would go back to drugs. And he said, I'm used to my friends saying bye, you know. And me and you understand what that's like. Yeah. Oh, my, my buddy, my pastor buddy, Kevin Baker, said we got ring savvy. We're ring savvy. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've been there, but uh, that's what we're used to, you know. And then you get people like your pastor, Scott, and Dewey Houston, who wrote Prisoners for 13 years before someone got out and thanked him. I mean, that's absurd, you know. <laughs> but that's what God does. He surrounds you like he surrounds you like the mountains surround Jerusalem, you know, and uh, God has put those people in your life. And I know Scott is your brother; he loves you. You're like a son to him, and uh, I think that's pretty cool, man. You know, and that's what we want to do. We want to bridge the gap between the church world and our our people group. Yeah, and put people together that don't have anything in common with Jesus. And it's funny because because I I, I question whether or not River Bluff would would even have anything to do with freeway. Yeah. But I already knew in my heart that if they refused to, I would walk away. That was important to me. And uh, when I came home and, and, and I kind of introduced the idea of serving at freeway at River Bluff, <laughs> wow, it was all over it. And I thought, you know, it was crazy because they, they, they wasn't doing that. You know, when they come over here and did worship on a Saturday night or, or came over here and served or, or a coat drive. And, and, you know, they that church out there is, is, is out by Ozark. They don't run across these kind of people. And for them to support this idea of what's going on over here meant everything in the world to me. And, 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 and I was concerned. But... Uh, and it was all over. They jumped on board, and I loved it. And it made it so much easier because there was a, there was a, you know, there's, there's law enforcement in my church, and I felt like a, 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 the bridge was being gapped right there. It's good because it's important that that you know these guys, man. When we're in the streets, we can't stand the cops. We think we can't. We think we just hate them, but the reality is there is there are people just like us, man, and they're doing the same thing. They're just on the other side of the fence, and 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 it's almost like a sport. What you hated was authority. Exactly. And so I never really hated them. Uh, I, I, I think I had hatred for a long time, but after I grew up, I started to understand that, that, that we was, it was a sport. You had a job, I had a job, and, 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 and somebody had to win and somebody had to lose. But today, because he's got a badge on, don't make him a bad person, man. Yeah, and he's God's cop. I mean, you know, God put them in place. Exactly. Without him, we'd be in trouble. But So you're, you're – I got a few notes here. Just uh, let's talk about serving in church. You know, you you became a Christian. You get out, and now, you know, Barry Ag, who was your best friend, still is, good dude. You know, great guy, powerful testimony. Um, he now you serve on security. Yeah. You know, at Freeway, and uh, we have the roughest crowd in Springfield. I mean, it doesn't get no rougher. I mean. Uh-huh. You know, the people that come here, they don't have many of them, probably. 
I'd say 75% of people that are in this building come from very, very bad backgrounds, maybe 80. And uh, probably 50% of them are homeless, you know, maybe 45%, 40%. And their their worldview, they would never go to a church, you know, never show up at a regular church. But they come here and they hear the gospel. We feed them. We clothe them. uh, We pick them up, bring them here. We do everything we can to help them physically Mm -hmm. without enabling them. Right. And then we share the gospel with them. Uh, But we don't let them clown. We make them behave. And so how's that transition been for you, Paul, dealing with being a security worker, heading up a, a security team? You know, it's different, man. Uh, you kind of know what you get, you know, and so we don't never know. We, we don't have any idea what we're going to run into from one Saturday to the next. And, and so, like you say, these people come in here, they don't have rules, you know. And so in the beginning, I didn't know if, if I would be cut out for it. And over a period of time, what I start to understand is that, is that if we can just talk to them, and you, you start knowing who they are when you start seeing them. And so it gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with them one-on-one. Yeah, they come here and they eat and they get a good service, and, and then they start looking for you when they come. And so, uh, I don't know, so even still now today, sometimes if I got my security shirt on and I ain't coming up here, you know, I wear it all the time. And I'll go somewhere, and I'll be like, they probably think I'm a cop or something. You know, I got the security shirt on. It's funny. <laughs> and I, and in my mind, I think about it you're, sometimes. You are a sheriff when you're here, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, just learning how to not be aggressive and, and, and be passive with these people and, and try to keep them here because we, we don't want them to leave. We don't. We want them to stay here, and we want them to hear the word, and we want them to walk out, and we want them to walk out fulfilled. And so there's times that we have to walk people off the premises. And it's not what we want to do. We don't. None of us do. And, and the, our whole security team, we talk about it before every service, man. <clears throat> Love on these people, period. Right. But so they got a trash bag to their name. Yeah. Feet hurt. Yeah. You know, same socks on for two weeks. They're, they're, they're in a bad place, man. Yeah. They're getting high and drinking just to cope with life, self-medicating. Only bathroom... They take showers in the sink. Yeah. Leave their dirty clothes in there, you know, and so uh, they can do that. Here. Yeah, it's fine. You know, they come in here and they take a shower, you know, well, if you don't want nobody to smell you, I don't want them to smell you neither. We give them deodorant and everything they need. I mean, I'm not encouraging them to take a shower in the sink, (laughs) but I'm not going to run them out of here for doing it. Right. You know, so it's a beautiful thing because, you know, Jesus said, uh, I'm going to put some on the right and some on the left. Yeah. And the ones I'm going to put on the right, I'm going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I was in prison, you visited me. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. Yep. And those on the right are going to say, when did we do that to you? And he's going to say, what you did to the least of these, you did to me. Yep. And and I don't know how much more least of these you can get, you know. And so it's a it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, that's not the only thing you do. And uh, this isn't boasting in Paul Chope, but just, you know, that transition of giving instead of taking. You've been a thief your whole life. Yeah taken and now you're given you know you're a giver now and that's because jesus has a spirit of giving mm-hmm. he, you know he gave his life yeah and so now that he has you and he's in you and the holy spirit lives in you you're the sanctuary of god you're giving it's an evidence right right of a changed life um so how do you handle those loyalties uh, you know uh those friendships and i know you have a real 
to me, it's almost a dangerous uh, desire to see your friend saved. I'll be honest. You know, you know, I, I'm just I'm not sugarcoating nothing. I sometimes I I don't agree maybe with you know some of the things you've done to help people, but you know I I would have said to do something a little different. I'm not God, right? You got to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by the Holy John. So, right. uh, you know, well, how are you handling your friends, the ones you love from your past? Because you, I've got friends I want to see make it. I had a guy, you know, going to hire him to do a roof, and he's my childhood buddy. He did tattoos all over me in his kitchen. And I said, you know, I'll hire you, but you got to come up here and get your paycheck on Saturday and stay for church, you know. <laughs> uh, we're not, the deal's off, you know. And it's because I really want to see him get it. I want to see him hear the gospel. I want to see him get saved. But your friends, when they fall, they die. You know, at first, first time I seen you handle a death when you got out, I was worried about you. But it seems to me you're starting to handle a little better than you used to. Um, so tell me about that. How are you handling dealing with your old buddies that are strung out and falling off? You know, we we me and you've talked about it before, and, and, and you've asked me about that, my loyalties to to people. And, uh, you know, Tony Evans says that, that there was enough room on all them boats for all the people to get off the Titanic, right? But they got half full and took off, and they never looked back. If they had looked back, they could have saved more people. And, it all, and I always think about that. It's good. And, and so a lot of my friends are, are, are you know, they're in the streets. And, and so God has allowed my story and my life to impact these people in some kind of way. And so, and, and, and you've kind of told me over the time that, you know, you can't enable them, Paul, you got to let them, you know, you know, and so ultimately for me, it's important that they know if you call me at two in the morning, I'm going to show up. And, and it's funny because I've, I've, I've been to their houses and they're getting high. And, and, you, and, you know, and you almost feel like a cop when you walk in the door because everybody gets to shuffling around and, and putting things in their pocket. And, and so I just think that it's important that that door is left open for them. And, you know, and, and these are guys that, that not, not, not a couple of years, I mean, a lot of my loyalties lie with guys that I've been in the streets with for 30-some years, and I love them guys. And, and I continue to carry the message to them anytime we talk. And, and, I, and I probably talk to them all two or three times a week. And uh, it's the same song and dance with me. And so uh, if they think I'm going to give up on them, I'm not. I, man, I was addicted for 35 years. I kept a needle in my arm for 35 years. So do I understand addiction? You know, you, you know, my sister died. They found her dead in the hotel room three months after I got out. And my first thought was, this is my opportunity to get high. Because who won't understand? And two months later, one of my cousins, uh, he died. But his wasn't drug addiction. He just, he, he, you know, his was some uh, health complications. And it was back to back. And so, you know, them loyalties can, you've got to be careful with them, man. Uh, a lot of times they'll get you high before you get them sober. Um, God's put the right people in me to instill the right things in me to where a lot of times I don't go into those situations alone uh, just for protection, man, because I feel like you might get me high by myself, but you won't get two of us high. I, I would recommend anyone listening to this to always have somebody with you when you go. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the guys, they respect what I'm doing and they're happy for me. And so by that, it gives me the opportunity to share what's going on in my life because they're interested. They're interested. And, and we're going to keep on talking about it until they come on home. You know, and that's, I'll that's, hang up on you. <laughs> Change the number. Yeah, they ain't going to do that. Put don't answer on your name. <laughs> How about, uh, let's talk about your parenting. You, uh, you know, you got a family and you got two daughters that, and a son. And, um, you know, here you are. Uh, you have been in the streets and using drugs since all of your kids have longer than they've all been alive. So now you're coming home and you're saying, I'm changed. You know, and there's a wreckage in the past. There's some... There's some a uh, lot of damage done. Some can be fixed, and some is just going to be there's going to be some wounds. So how, you know you got a, a beautiful little girl, and you got a beautiful older girl, um, and I know you have a son as well that you love to have that relationship restored. So I know your your daughters. I've seen them both. So tell me what that's like, man. You're dealing with the guilt. You're dealing with the shame. You're trying. You want to be a good dad. You know. You're dealing with doubts. So, it's hard, man. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, you know, my oldest daughter and my oldest son are both 26, and uh, he, won't, he won't talk to me at all. And so I continue to pray. I believe God's going to restore that relationship at some point and, and, and on his time. And so, you, you know, as we've talked, you know, I was a street guy. And so parenting to me was, was you have the baby. You tell me what you need. I'll make sure you've got it and I'll come see my child when I want to. That's what it was. So I come home from prison this time, and, and, and like I say, you know, she's having a baby now. She had, you know, she had just had a baby before I come home, my oldest daughter, and I've got a baby. And so just recently, uh, she and I had a conversation, and she wanted me to know, did I feel bad about the way I raised her? Of course, I left when she was four. And I come back when she was 15. And so I had what a lot of people would refer to as a street mentality. And so I'm going to teach you how to be prepared for men like me. Right. And so I talked to her in a way I shouldn't have talked to her. And, and you know, at first I wanted to just defend it. And you and I spoke about it. And you said, man, let her, let her, let her express it and own it. And I did, and, and since that day, I've talked to her every morning, uh, her and my grandkids every single day. Um, I pick my daughter up on the weekends. The other one, she's four. <laughs> she and gives I, you a stress halo the size of New York. I you see know. you walking around that thing. <laughs> you walk around freeway, and I already know she's here. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, her mom messages me immediately on the day. Are, are you coming to get her yet? And I'm like, yeah. And so, you know, just trying to be a dad because because I, I have a, a stepson as well that I've raised since he was two. But I know that they're watching me. And so the coolest thing about it is my kids are growing up in church. And, and, and whether we like it or not, even at the age of four and eight and 26, guess what? Your kids are watching you. And so my daughter goes to church now. You know, you met my dad. He's gotten saved since I've been out, been out of prison. And, you know, just being able to involve them in my life and the ministry and what I do and just consistently being that, uh, 
parenting is hard, man. Yeah. You don't want to do it wrong. I don't know if there's a right way to do it, but, you know, we do the best we can do. And so I continue to lean on people who I look at as good parents. Paul chose the parent. Paul chose the parent. There you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Look at you, man. God's using you, dude. Uh, I want to read this scripture to you. I feel like it's a good one to read right now. And I'm actually... Uh, we have an ordination for a guy who graduated our program, Scott Gilmore, who's been, he's served federal time, state time, IV, you know, all the whole nine. And now he's preaching and he gets ordained Sunday night. And uh, I was looking through this passage in 1 Timothy 4, and he's talking to Timothy and he says, let no one despise your youth. So Timothy was a lot younger than, than you know, to take a church. He was taking the church of Ephesus for Paul. And people were going to look down on him, you know, because of his age. But mm-hmm. you can use that and say, okay, how do I keep people from, from looking down on me? Because of whatever hang-up, maybe it's age, maybe it's prison, maybe it's addiction, whatever, the past. So Paul teaches Timothy how to how to win them over and how to overcome people despising him or looking out down on him. And he says, be an example. Let no one despise your past, Paul. Let no one despise you. Be an example. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And, uh, you know, the first qualification for a man of God isn't natural gifts, talents. It's character. We're, we're called to be examples, man. And... Uh, I tell our leaders all the time that, you know, you're not a rule enforcer. You're a spiritual example. No one will pray more than you. No one will read more than you. No one will study more than you. No one will give more than you. No one will serve more than you. So I'm supposed to be an example of giving, praying, reading, serving. I'm supposed to be the spiritual example and if I'll do that, if I'll do that in my home, if I'll do that in my ministry, if I'll do that, um, then God will use me, you know, and he'll win them over. They won't look down on me because my, I forget my tattoos are here. You know, I had an opportunity to go meet the governors a few times, and I'm in the middle of this arena full of polit- politicians. I'm on the House floor, and they stopped the House floor and introduced us, you know, me and my family. And uh, co-worker Rachel and her husband. And uh, I thought, what in the world's going on here, you know? <laughs> I got tattoos everywhere. You know, I forgot all about it. Don't let no one despise you, but be an example. And uh, and that's what you're doing. You're being an example, man. And, and I'm super proud of you, dude. Uh, I know we're over time, but I just want to ask a couple more questions uh, <laughs> real quick. Are you happy? I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. Yeah. I'm free. Um, you know, there's days that it's that that I face storms all day long, but I don't get caught up in them. You know, I know who calms the storms. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, God is my refuge. It's where I run. That's 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 I I don't have to fix it today. You got a job? Absolutely. What do you do for a living? I drive a big truck. Truck, truck driver. <laughs> Big truck driver. Yeah, you get up early in the morning, go to work every day. Yeah. Paying taxes. Paying taxes. Never done it before in my life. 
Man, that's so cool. You know, it's it's uh it's crazy what God does. You don't you never know. What's next in your life, Paul? You know, at this point I'm just I'm just uh I'm looking at what God wants me to do. And so there's a lot of things I want to do. And 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 I've just gotta be still and know that he's God and 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 as long as I remember that. And continue to follow exactly what it is he wants me to do. Um, he, he's going to show me, and and so I don't I don't you know we was talking about it before. It's good to know exactly what God wants you to do, and I'm and I'm pretty sure I know what God wants me to do, but there's things that have to be put in place first, and that's fine. I'm not in a hurry. Um, it, it'll be on His time and not mine. Um, I would like to rush everything. You know, I've always been the guy that's been the the the. the at the top of the chain. And uh, I love being the guy at the bottom. I love being the guy behind. And uh, it, it keeps me humble. And and that's what I have to have. Uh, God has done something in my life that nothing, no program, no, 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 no mom, no dad, no kid, no nothing can do. I accepted Jesus Christ into my life and and and, and everything changed. It's not always the way I want it, and, and a lot of things I don't like, but that's good. Sometimes it hurts. You know, uh, adversity builds character, you know, we, and so we, we fight through it. He don't fix it. He gives us the strength to get through it, gives us some direction, and, 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 and we're ready for the next one. Yeah. Because it's coming. What about uh, somebody's watching or listening online right now? Maybe it's a parent, and uh, and they got a son who's – out there, you know, doing their thing and running everybody through the muck. Or maybe it's somebody who's who's listening or watching just popped this on somehow, got a hold of it, and they're 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 strung out. They've done a lot of time in prison. Kids are a mess, and they just feel like there's no hope. You know, what would you say to them? Man, you know, there's 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 you know sometimes I want to say there's nothing you can say. But you can show them, and and the more that people look at change lives, you can't you can't question it, man. They can't look at John Stroop's life and say God ain't real. You can't look at Barry Agee's life and say, or James Woodard, or you know, we could go on for days and days about it. And so it's just so hard to love somebody without enabling them. It's hard to, to, but you've got to figure out how to do it. And, and sometimes we have to let them go. And as long as they know that door's open, they'll come back. And, and so uh, I trust God. God knows what he wants to do with you. He knows what he wants to do with me and everybody else. My job is just to love on them, man. What hurts you the most? What hurts me the most? You know, Anybody that knows me knows uh, I, I say it all the time. I struggle with being a good dad, man. I me, do. Me too. And it bothers me because I know in my heart I could do a whole lot better. And so uh, I say it today, and 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 I won't do uh, what I'm capable of doing come this Friday when it's time, you know. But like I say, I'm I'm I'm, I'm pushing to be a better father, and 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 I'm going to continue to push. And so. It's progress, not perfection, man. I don't know if there's any perfection in being a parent. You know, there's not a manual that comes with it. But 
I would say that's my biggest struggle, man. And so uh, I continue to work on it, man. You know, I mean, that's all I can do. What yeah. brings you joy? What brings me joy? My babies. Yeah. My relationship with the Lord. Um, I was telling Ian just a little bit ago. Yeah. He said, what time you go to work? I said, I leave the house at 440. He says, what time you get up? I said, 315. A lot of stuff has to happen in an hour and a half. You know, I've got to spend time with the Lord. I've got to pray. I've got to. I've got to read. I've got to. You know. You know all the things. You know to, to get up and get ready, and uh, it brings me joy because guess what I get to do? I walk out of my door and go to work, and I get to pray with fifteen or twenty guys that are broken every morning, and just seeing them guys every day when they stop you. You know, when when people start asking questions, man, there's no better joy in the world than to know that that. That they're listening, and they want some of what you got, and so I don't, I don't candy coat it. I'm not, my life's not perfect, and and and, and don't think that I can talk slick. But well, when I'm praying, ultimately we're gonna pray, and 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 when they start asking, man, it's like, you know, that's where joy comes from, man. Seeing somebody else find find Jesus Christ, man. It's exciting. It is, especially when the light comes on. Yep. And the kids get restored, and the families get restored. And the chains are broken, and uh, this person's never been able to change. But now they're a year and a half out of prison. There it is. You know, at 20-something years in prison, never been able to get it right. There's a natural, and that's me and you in our own strength. Yeah. And then there's a supernatural, and that's us with God in his strength. Yeah. And the only way a man like you can change, Paul, is a supernatural work of God. Yeah. And it, you know, and we believe in that, and so... Uh, I'm I'm super proud of you, man. Uh, you. I know that you're not looking for my congratulations uh, because your validation doesn't come from me. But I I know that God's done the work. But it, you're yielding to Him, Romans six. You know, yielding your body is an instrument of righteousness to God, not an instrument of unrighteousness to sin. And um, <clears throat> I'll be praying because I know there's a target on your back, man. Yeah. And uh, me and you are both one dumb decision away from stupid. All we got to do. One dumb decision away today I am from using drugs. Yep. And so, praise the Lord. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, listening to this podcast, you can follow us on Freeway Ministries or you can follow us on One Broken Life at a Time. Would you share this podcast, like it, share it with your friends. If you'd like to support Freeway Ministries, you can send a check-in to our P.O. Box, Freeway Ministries, P.O. Box 8655, Springfield, Missouri, 65803. Or you can... You can give online through www.freeway-ministries.com. Uh, one broken life at a, at a time, Psalm 5117. We look forward to seeing you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you.